Hello, Marvelites! You're listening to This Week in Marvel, and I'm your host, Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. This week, we're back with another short bonus episode featuring writer Chip Zdarsky to chat about the all-new Avengers Twilight Number 1. Now, fair warning, we're going to get into a little bit of spoiler territory, so if for some ding-dang reason you haven't read Avengers Twilight Number 1, do me a favor, pause this episode, go read the comic book, and come right back. You will not regret it. Also, since we recorded this little chat back before the holiday season, Avengers Twilight number one has sold out. Fui, fui, fui. So good. But don't worry. If you missed getting your copy, it will return to stands on February 28th with a second printing, and it's going to have a brand new second printing variant cover by series artist Daniel Cunha. The goat. So good. We love Daniel. We're going to talk about that and so much more in a second. Make sure you get those pre-orders in, get ready for the rest of the series, and join us now as we talk to Chip Zdarsky about Avengers Twilight. It is a chiptastic new year here on the show because we are joined by Avengers Twilight writer Chip Zdarsky. Hi, Chip. What is up, Ryan? <laughs> is that your normal podcast intro? Like, what is up? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I've been uh, meaning to debut my new podcast voice. Nice. So like this is how I'm going to sound for the whole thing. <laughs> uh Chip, I am excited because the first issue is in stores. It's available digitally. Everybody's starting to read it. So it's good times. Yeah, I, I, I suppose. I mean, we're recording this in the past. Maybe in the present, people are like uh, setting fire to things. They're so mad about it. I don't know. Or maybe they're baking each other cakes to celebrate it. I, it's hard to say from where we True. are in the past. There is also a couple of weeks you could be canceled by the time we record. This is, into... true. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Uh, I, have a, I have a long list of things, obviously. Yes, Canadian, uh, that's one. Oh, God. Cut yeah. it. Cut it. Um, look, so <laughs> Avengers Twilight, uh, it's, been in the, you know, it's been in the works for a while. Um, for, for our listeners who are, who are maybe just hearing about it or, or like want to learn more, when did you first start talking about this and planning it um, with, with Tom Brevoort, the editor, and everybody else at Marvel? Oh, man. I think I first started talking to Tom maybe the end of 2018. Like looking looking back, I actually look back at our correspondence and like I submitted my first kind of uh, draft of the outline in like April of 2019. I think like it's been a long time, and it was one of the, it was one of those projects where Tom, uh, I think he approached me about something else before, and uh, I turned him down as I generally do with Tom because uh, <laughs> obviously <laughs> who wants to work for that tyrant? But um, but he he came back to me with with just the, the general idea that he wanted to do kind of a, a future story, like a definitive future Avenger story. And would that interest me? Um, and yeah, he's had the idea for a long time, I think, because he, he had some notes and kind of ideas of his own. So we had a really nice back and forth. Um, and, uh, and, and I agreed to do it because uh, it really, it checked a bunch of boxes. The big one being like, it's the Avengers. Like I get to like write all my favorite characters all in one go which is uh which is super fun. And then the 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 freedom of kind of the the lack of continuity. Like I'm playing on continuity from the past obviously. Um but uh but being able to kind of create a whole world uh um is pretty fun and challenging. Well, were there any inspirations uh, that you went to or just thought of as you were putting this oh, together? Oh yeah. There there are a bunch like Days of Future Past is kind of the classic, but uh Future Imperfect, the the Hulk mm. Maestro uh mini is uh is like one of my all-time favorites 
and um, yeah, and even like uh, Old Man Logan for sure. Like I kind of I kind of picked up some pieces from all of those, uh, really, and even like bits and pieces from uh, possibly other comic publishers that also have done stories similar to this. Um, there was there was a lot of rereading and uh, partly just to make sure I wasn't like <laughs> lifting bits from anywhere as well because sometimes you have the idea I'm like, oh, it'd be cool to do this, and then find out. Um, it's been done a million times um but yeah but there's definitely kind of homages to kind of classic future dystopian stories though ours is kind of a weird mix it's like a dystopian utopian uh kind of hybrid yeah which which i think it, it really helps and it also helps that you, you've got this gorgeous popping art oh my god by daniel cunha um yeah. when you when you get that in knowing that you you know you've done so much in comics and and you, you've drawn a lot of comics when you see that are you happy are you angry are you both what is what is the feeling <laughs> <laughs> i think i've gone on record to say that I, I usually get quite angry just because uh, uh i can't draw or paint as well as a lot of the people i work with but um but actually, I remember getting the first page from Daniel. It was probably like 2020 when we, when he was uh, kind of underway. And uh, I remember the page very clearly. I remember sending it to everyone I know. I sent it to my parents. <laughs> like, I know I broke all sorts of like, Marvel rules. Like, you can't, like, send, <laughs> send all the Marvel materials out to, to everyone in the world. But I'm, I, did, I had to show my mom and dad, like, look at what comics can do. Look how beautiful this is. It was like an old Steve Rogers. It looked like Robert Redford. Just, just gorgeous, gorgeous work. Um, and and also Daniel's just like amazing to have on a project like this because there's so much design work involved. Like it's not just the characters and like new costumes and things like that. Like he's got to come up with a whole new world. Like it's easier for me to type. Oh, you know, they walk down the street and there's all sorts of futuristic pop-up ads and people are in cool fashions. Like, well, that took me like five <laughs> seconds. Like Daniel's got to really realize that. And you know, his work, his previous job was Black Panther, and he did a lot of that there as well. And um, and so he 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 definitely was the guy for the job um you, you talked about daniel's designs and they they're just they're they're gorgeous he did a ton of work but when when you're writing this and you know they're like you're thinking about this this future right I, obviously characters change looks they change costumes they change versions all that mm -hmm. stuff and you're putting that into your scripts are you providing any visual thoughts or like directions or ideas for daniel to go off of it's different with every artist like I didn't have to put too much in, into the descriptions just because uh, I trust him so much with the design. And I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus. I'm not going to name names, but there's some artists where I'm just like, okay, I got to like, I might have to sketch this out. You know, a bunch of, bunch of lazy artists out there that don't want to do the work, frankly. They don't work for Marvel. <laughs> I, I want to be clear there. They don't work for Marvel, obviously. Marvel, everyone at Marvel yeah, yeah. is a top tier 100%. talent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but there's definitely. Uh, the feeling that Daniel's in like his own category. So I, I try to keep it as loose as possible in terms of design. If there's like, is there, is there something about the character? Like they kind of, they went darker in the future or they hold on to the past or something like that. Like those things will be mentioned just so he, he has a starting place, but, um, but it's all Daniel. Like, that's the thing. Like it's, it's, it's that weird mixture of utopian and dystopian. It's utopian for some dystopian for others, which I think is kind of like, the vibe the mm -hmm. world is heading toward <laughs> you know like it's easy to turn a blind eye when you are well fed and entertained to the suffering of others and i think that's kind of the the key theme here in the return of the avengers yeah uh do you do a, a lot of that sort of 
overworld planning when you're when you're taking on a project you know obviously this is a unique case because it is set in the future and there's a lot of there's a lot of ground to cover and and thinking about that stuff but even when you're taking on you know a new superhero title um that is coming off of maybe a previous run that wasn't far previous to it are you thinking about okay we i want to establish that this world is is here is that in your plots in your outline is that in something of a discussion or is it really case by case I mean, it is case by case. Like, in, obviously, in this case, like we had to put in a lot of thought as to the past um, uh, that created the world. Uh, you know, if I'm if I'm taking over a, a Marvel book, I was like, say, Daredevil or whatever. Like, okay, well, I know the world, so it's Hell's Kitchen. Like, I kind of know the vibe where the characters are. Like, the only thing I'm kind of changing there is um, the vibe. What's the vibe? You know, in, in in terms of like what I was describing, aesthetics and tone. Um, so so yeah, each 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 book has its own challenge. A uh, creator owned, obviously, there's a lot more because I got to really build it up, because it all starts from scratch there. Uh, but Marvel, you're inheriting worlds, so it's it's kind of easy to kind of build off of that. Uh, but here it's like yeah, like between myself and the editor Tom. We talked a lot about like what led to this, what the world should look like, what's the what's the vibe, what's the feel, um, where various characters kind of come and go throughout the history of this kind of timeline. So yeah, there's definitely more building done on something like this than in other books. With the exception being like life story, life story, we had to do a lot of building. Sure, you know, you mentioned some of the characters that are in the book. Uh, aside from Cap, who we see heavily in this first issue, uh, tell us a little bit about. Who else is in the book in this current day? You know, we see Iron Man's around a lot of this. We see um, two very familiar New York street-level heroes in yeah. the first issue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Luke Cage and uh, and Matt Murdock, a.k.a. Daredevil, are are kind of Steve's buddies. It's almost like war buddies, right? Because they used to... They used to be superheroes together, uh, and they, you know, they technically fought in a bunch of wars. So there's a, the feeling of like kind of meeting your old veteran friends for coffee uh, there, and and Luke and uh, Matt are angrier about the world and the situation than Steve is, and I think that kind of ties into those that street level roots of those two characters, which is why I chose them because like because of that they they kind of they can see the people kind of falling through the cracks more than say Steve Rogers can as he, you know, sits in his, uh, his brownstone, just staring at the sky the flag, thinking of the lost American dream. Um, so, so they're really fun to write, uh, as kind of foils for, for Steve in his old man phase. Yeah. Um, and we've got the, we've got the Iron Man character in there. Yeah, we've got we've got a couple things going on there. Like we 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 we've dropped in uh, the son of uh, Tony Stark, James Stark, who's uh, who's definitely a bit of a brat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I love uh, uh, Dan- Daniel. Gave him he made him look so cool. He's got like a real Akira vibe <laughs> to him. His hair, uh, those tattoos. He's oh yeah, he looks yeah. If you if you dropped him in Neo Tokyo, he would. Uh, he would not look out of place. I know. He's also a creep, just like kind of like you get a little sense of like, man, this guy, this guy. I know. I know. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted a bit of a, bit of a, bit of a bad boy kind of thrown into the mix. Who's, um, who's kind of ostensibly the enemy in this scenario. So it's Jarvis's brother. Who's like, who's essentially kind of raised James after, um, Tony, uh, died slash disappeared during this kind of cataclysmic event um 
so uh, they're kind of working together um, uh, with the U.S. government to kind of provide safety for everyone, which is, you know, ostensibly it's a good thing, but uh, maybe the way they're going about it isn't. And and yeah, James James has a lot of strong feelings about superheroes, and um, I was trying I was trying to remember if I kind of if we dropped this in as you want, but I think we actually did. So it's the son of uh, Janet Van Dyne and Tony Stark. Uh, I think that's revealed in issue one. If not, cut this completely. <laughs> um, and that's, that's, <laughs> it's funny because it also that that kind of sets this during a time because as I was writing this, Dan Slott was writing Iron Man and he made uh, he made Tony and Janet a couple. So I'm like, uh-huh. well, I'll just pick up on that. And I was like, four or five years later. <laughs> <laughs> hey, things happen. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, one night goes goes one way or another. Yeah, um, didn't he marry Hellcat or something? I don't know. I've who'd... lost track. I've lost track. But yeah. Tony. Um, who hasn't Tony married at this point? It's um, true. Emma, he's with Emma now. What am I talking about? Right. Oh my god! There you are. Jeez. Um, also, in this this first issue, uh, within the first twenty pages, you impale Spider-Man, aka the world's greatest fictional character. It's true. It's um, true. Which is, it's a beautiful, heartbreaking moment. I love, I love that scene. You know, despite it being well, because like you hate we Spider-Man, talk, right? I oh, I loathe that scene because you hate Spider-Man. Loathe yeah. Spider-Man. Um, and uh, it, it's one of those like pit in your stomach moments from these kinds of stories. And that was the one that was like one of them in here for me. It was like, oh, it's so upsetting, but I, I like yeah. feed off of it. Yeah, it, it, it felt important to remove Spider-Man from this world because I, I think he's kind of like he's the, the moral center in my eyes of the Marvel Universe. Like it is kind of why during, you know, the classic Civil War series. Like Spider-Man was the one that had to be one over one side or the other. He was, he, he kind of fills in for the reader. He kind of fills in for, um, yeah, that sense of responsibility, right? Like that's his whole deal. Um, and so kind of taking him off the, the, the table kind of makes things a little confusing for the Marvel universe. I think if they don't have Spider-Man to like kind of be there. If you're, if you're in politics, you're like lobbying for the Spider-Man vote. Once you get the Spider-Man vote, every <laughs> everything else kind of falls. falls yeah, in exactly. <laughs> yeah, and the Electoral College, it's the uh, the Spider-Man oh, district that really. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, we get a little sense of the events that lead to the world, the the, the sort of present day world of Avengers: Twilight, as it were. Um, do, is are you? Will you elaborate on that? Will you give it those full details, or is that something that you want readers to sort of fill in while we build on? Like, here's mostly where we are now. Don't worry about that. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not going to be fully kind of fleshed out because I do want to leave something to the imagination. But uh, but we definitely we get into it in kind of the future issues for sure. Um, yeah, it's like the big devastating event is called H Day for Hero Day, um, in which a lot of people died and humanity kind of had enough of it and and turned on turned on the heroes whether they were right or wrong who you know the story will tell yeah uh we also you know going back to some of the the designs and the things that daniel worked on um i I believe we could hopefully we could talk about it if not we'll, we'll cut it but you know throughout the series we see some some cool ideas some cool things the um the sort of uh futuristic cops the the thunderbolty mm-hmm. iron cop uh yeah crew troop which is, they're just nasty customers. Yeah, yeah, and Daniel really makes them that way. <laughs> when you were conceiving them, were they a little less harsh, or do you think 
or did they was that where they are and the 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 visuals are really what sells it in your your opinion they may they may have been a little less harsh in kind of my envisioning of it because it's it's that it's that push and pull of like the militarization of kind of police and uh and that kind of, and security guards or anything like that in 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 our world the people who have you know guns and power um there's that push and pull of like, oh, we are uh, threatening, but also approachable. Like, you know, like I probably would have made made them maybe a bit uh, shinier and happier looking. <laughs> but but once once Daniel kind of showed it, I'm just like, oh, okay, it actually it really works. Like those iron cops, like they have the kind of the the patches of yellow on them, which kind of like indicates that, you know, they're a beacon for good in quotes uh, <laughs> within this world. But also they're just like heavily armored armed uh uh potential murderers so <laughs> yeah justice like uh like a baton stick to the head not so much yeah lightning. yeah exactly yeah in this world thunderbolts are like kind of um a division of like the marines like it's it's, a, it's like a special task force that kind of comes into play in issue two Oh, nice. Uh, Daniel has this like graffiti uh, vibe for the way the defenders would tag themselves. But who are the defenders in this this world? They're essentially the underground resistance um, that are there to kind of recruit Steve Rogers into their cause. They're the ones that are kind of seeing what's actually happening in the world and kind of have to open his eyes to it uh, a little bit. Um, so they're 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 young and they're eager and yeah they're kind of slapdash like all of their equipment is very like kind of hastily put together, which is uh again Daniel you know knocked that out of the park and the one of the coolest bits is like the the way they're kind of dressed and then the hoods kind of have a bit of a Moon Knight vibe to them, which I really really like. Yeah. Uh, well, also you know there's there's great covers in this and and uh, I know we have I believe it's issue three. With Ms. Marvel, mm-hmm. and she looks so cool. She's got that yeah, like, yeah. glowy lightning bolt, and oh my god, yeah, it's so good. And that the the size, I think it's you know we've seen Kamala get large and big in in ways, but yeah, she feels monumental in this. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going for. Like when she, you know, when she embiggens uh, normally, like there's kind of there's kind of a fun vibe to it normally because it's usually kind of one part of her <laughs> so it's usually or just kind of you know out of sync with the rest um but here i just wanted her to just feel like you know she's like she's like giant man here really like she's kind of the replacement for giant man in a lot of ways um and yeah yeah it also it, it's fun to write kind of like a mature grown-up kamala as well uh as a superhero and not as a teenager uh, how do you uh, two two more questions about her um one you know, thinking about, oh, we've got all these characters and all these different parts and you think about the world. Do you do you think about the the elements that lead that that have like happened to these characters within the time frame? Even if oh, we yeah. don't see it on the page, is it, is it in your head or in your notes or anything? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, most of it kind of ends up on the page, but there are definitely like little bits here and there. Um, Kamala, especially. Uh we kind of we have her kind of semi-retired she's she's kind of a bit more removed even than than steve is and uh definitely more than uh luke cage and, and matt murdoch so she's she's really just trying to live her own life because of kind of events of her past um when we when we eventually meet her and uh yeah yeah i don't want to give too much away about kind of her situation but it's just yeah it's just it's it's cool to kind of feel that character evolve kind of over the course of the series too. 
Yeah. And uh, obviously she'll fit into this in, in a bunch of ways, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, looking at those covers, you know, we've got you, you've got Alex Ross on covers, oh which yeah. <laughs> just I, I, like that. The image Alex's cover in particular, like I feel like we need that on the side of a building. It feels yeah. that big. It feels that yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. It's it's super cool. I mean, anytime Alex Ross deigns to paint a cover for one of my books, I'm just like, what? Like, how is this happening to me? It's it's <laughs> it's pretty amazing, even still. And uh, and from what I understand, like um, our editor Tom convinced him to come on board just by kind of telling him the story but 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 mostly i think it was from showing him daniel's designs like you know uh alex has a real soft spot for really strong character design i think he saw what daniel was doing he's like oh yeah no i want to paint those characters that's fun i love that great yeah Yeah. and look you're one of the greatest of all time talking about one of the greats right now and it's like yeah okay legit so good so good um there's also we have these the lightning bolt variants, which I think are are super. Oh cool. yeah. Um, have you ever, have you done one yet? No, I mean I found out about them the way everyone else did. I, like one day I saw a press release going out about like a Frank Miller like a lightning bolt cap cover. I'm like, oh that's cool, and then I realized it was like a whole thing. I should I should do one. Mine would probably just have like the lightning bolt going through someone though. <laughs> you put it through Spider Man. Uh... Oh yeah, I should. That's a that's a great idea. Yeah, I should do a I should do a Spider Man variant. Oh man, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go talk to Tom about that right now. Um, uh, you know, I was thinking about about this, and you know, I I love your work. I I, I read everything oh, you thanks, do. Man. Um, when when you do a series, when and and then you're done, for you, what is that feeling like? Is there is there an emotion? Is there a takeaway? Do you feel like you learned something? Is it is each project its own unique snowflake, and 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 you know you sort of partition them differently? Everything's different. There are, there have been cases in the past for sure where sometimes it's a relief. Like I finished, I'm like, oh god, I made it, I made it. Like I crossed the finish line, and um, I no longer have to you know work with uh, Tom Brevoort again. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's those, there's those moments. Um, each one's different. It depends on kind of the length of time. Uh, I find I'm at my most emotional when I'm like when I'm writing that final page because usually I have that kind of figured out early on, no matter how long the series is. Like Daredevil, I kind of knew the final page, kind of right from the start, even though it took years to get there. Um, so there's a lot of buildup for me for for those moments. Um, and yeah, it, 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 they're they're all a little they're all a little strange. Sometimes it just kind of disappears pretty quickly from memory. Um, until I go to a comic convention, people start bringing them back up to me again. I'm like, oh yeah, and I'll flip through it. I'll just like, I, one of my strongest comic memories was like I was like 18, 19, and I went to my first Comic Con, and um, I was in line to meet Chris Claremont, and uh, the guy in front of me had a literal wheelbarrow full of comics, and uh, Chris saw the guy, and then he saw me, and he saw I only had one copy, and he's like, let the let the kid with the one comic come up first, and so I went up to him, and it was an X Men annual that Alan Davis drew. And I remember I put it down in front of him. He just picked it up and he just started reading it. Like it was like five minutes where he's just flipping through and he's just like, oh my God, Alan Davis. And he's just like, he, he got lost in his own comic. And I get, I get a bit of that sometimes now when, when someone brings up uh, like a Howard the Duck comic or whatever for me or a Star-Lord, I'll just flip through. I'm like, oh man, like these artists are so great. And like, you, you definitely, that's when I kind of get reminded of, of the books. Um, uh, the only other kind of weird case is Daredevil, where and I think I mentioned this to you the last time I was on the podcast, which is 
um, I've never gone that long without being a Daredevil reader. Right. Like it, it's a problem only one person in the world has at any moment in time. <laughs> <laughs> but like I've I've read Daredevil consistently every month since I was like seventeen or something. Yeah. And you know that was the longest stretch where I did not read a new Daredevil comic because I was writing it, and um, so the feeling of finishing that, and then almost immediately picking up Saladin and Aaron's run, like that was weird and lovely. Like that was a really nice feeling of being like, oh man, I'm back. I'm back as a reader. Like this is great. I get to f- discover what's happening the same way everyone else does. Just thinking about the year ahead, what's Chip's wish for 2024? Oh, peace on earth and goodwill towards <laughs> all men and women and everyone in between. Just, <laughs> just real. It's a real straightforward one. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, my. I do generally have my, my, my big kind of blanket wish for humanity is empathy. Like I wish people could have empathy for others. Um, see where people are coming from, uh, no matter how hard that is. Uh, yeah, I think we've definitely lost a lot of that, uh, especially kind of through the pandemic, the lack of kind of human connection. Um, that's kind of my serious answer. Yeah. Love a, love a good empathy. serious answer. But, but, Yet, at the same time, I also wish for less empathy for editors. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. I'm a conundrum with their deadlines. <laughs> uh, Chip, it, it uh, always brings joy to talk to you. So thank Pleasure. You. A pleasure, Ryan. Big thanks again to Chip Zdarsky, Writer Supreme, for joining us here on the show. Be sure to pick up your copy of Avengers Twilight Number 1 if you haven't already. It's available digitally or at your local comic shop.